let myself get organised. Now, what a dangerous prayer. Break my heart for what break yours is. Such a dangerous prayer. All right. Uh, so thank you so much for having me here today. I've actually been over at Centrepoint the last couple of weeks, so it's fun to kind of come out here now and see, um, see you know, God's family growing. I talked about at Centrepoint how, how when you come into Perth and you come to a church in Perth, so much of it is someone familiar, you know, someone you know and seeing, being a part of that family and you don't, you're not in Perth long before you realise uh, everyone knows everyone. So, thank you for having me here. I, uh, I have been listening over, the, over this week about what your messages have been, this theme of justice. And I heard uh, the message a couple of weeks ago about biblical justice, and then I heard Nate's message last week about rivers of justice and righteousness. And what stood out to me was this act of justice that flows like a river to transform a community. To bring life where death once has stood. This sadika. Have I said it right? I'm going to say it. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm, I'm owning that. Sadika. Preventative justice. To live in a way that affects, so that the effects of injustice are not impacting others. So how can we live in that way? How can we live so injustices do not impact our community where do we step in to prevent an injustice? Where do we literally stand in the place of another so that someone's life is transformed? One way, and it's not the only way, but it is the way I am here to talk to you about today, is to step into foster care, to step into the out-of-home care system here in Australia. So I am from ARC Australia. We work in two ways. We advocate for people to step into the out-of-home care system. We come and speak at churches. This is, the, I think, the 11th church I've spoken at this year to share with you guys about what the out-of-home care system looks like here in WA. And we create support networks underpinned by Christian values for those who are caring for vulnerable kids. So we are that organisation in Australia, that one who is overtly Christian, who is now working alongside government departments to encourage the church to step back into caring for vulnerable kids. We are extended family for each other, living out the gospel of Jesus, inviting vulnerable kids into our homes through adoption and foster care. So that is ARC. In WA, this is what the numbers look like got a slide here. You might not be able to read it, but I'll read some out to you. So here in Vic Park, you are the city of Cannington or the city of Perth, depending on where the line is, okay? So in Cannington, there are 443 children in the out-of-home care system. They are children who have been removed from their biological parents for safety reasons, who are living in foster care, and that could be foster care or kinship care or with grandparents, but that's 443 in Cannington. And then Perth, there are, I'll get the right number, 279 children, okay? So my rough calculation said that's over 700 kids. That's a whole primary school of children just in this area who are living out of home in out-of-home care. 
Okay, that is not also the numbers of kids who are a part of the child protection system by having social workers and intensive family support in their homes. Then the ones who are still in a vulnerable situation where the government, the department are working alongside those families to try and prevent them from coming into care. Because coming into care is a whole new trauma. Okay, it is a being removed from your biological family, whether the situation is great or not, is trauma in itself. It doesn't matter if you are one day old or if you are 12 year olds, that removal is traumatic. Okay, so they're the numbers just here. So as God's family, what does that mean for us? Psalm 68 verse 5 and 6 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. Those kids, those numbers, each and every one of them is a child who at some part of their day is desperately lonely, desperately disconnected, desperately in need of care. And God is looking for setting to set them in families. And we are his family, his church is the ones where we need to step in and say, yes, we are available to care for those. Now, the early church knew how to do this. The very first Christians back in Rome used to do this incredibly well. So back in the day, a family, a mother was able to give birth to a child and if that child was not someone that they wanted, perhaps they were a girl, perhaps they were some kind of disfiguration, it was legal for them to put the child outside, to expose the child, to literally leave the child, the baby, to the elements. Okay, that was legal, just to say, well, I, I'll try again. Okay, the church, the first Christians, used to go around the city and they would pick up these children majority of them girls and they would take them home and they would love them and they would raise them in loving homes where they knew who the love of Christ where they knew that it, they were worth it where they were no longer discarded on the side of the road or on a rubbish tip for the elements to take their course the first church grew in such number that the Roman Roman Empire at some point there was this giant imbalance. There was all these men, but there was no women to marry because of the imbalance. So they were going to the church and saying, hey, we want to marry your girls. And the church said, hang on a minute. Our girls are still girls. You need to wait until they are women so that they don't die in childbirth. So the law was changed. That the, the Roman law was changed that you had to wait until you were 16 to be married. The church impacted the culture in such a way by caring for the vulnerable, for stepping in and loving a child, that they were able to change the trajectory, not of only those girls' lives and those others' lives, but of the whole culture. Now, there is so much brokenness in foster care. You may have heard or read that the system is broken and by all accounts, having worked and lived in amongst this system for the last 11 years, yes, it is. It is a system that is often in pain, it is poorly executed, or it's at odds. But by its very nature, foster care is broken because it is built on a premise of broken relationships. 
For I and many of you who believe that God made the world for us to live in, we know this brokenness exists. Now, as a past children's pastor, you're going to have to bear with me as I read your story. Okay, I'm a mum of six kids, so I read stories. My kids have got this book and we love it. My little three-year-old, when he is in meltdown mode, I'm able to get him to his room. We pull up this book and we sit down together and we read it. We might only get a page in because he tends to find everything on the page and point it out to me. But I'm going to read you just a couple of pages here. Okay, it's this beautiful book. It's called God's Very Good Idea. So God got to work. He made a beautiful world for people to live in. Then he made the first people, a man and a woman, and he said to them, Be happy. Enjoy loving me and loving each other. Have a huge family that will fill the earth and look after the earth and enjoy the earth. So God made all of the people. And we live in God's world. We are all different, but we are also all the same. Everyone you see is different than you and the same as you. They might look different or speak different or play different, but they are all made in God's image and they are all valuable. This is God's very good idea. But this is my son's favourite page. People ruined God's very good idea. The first people chose not to love God. This is called sin. And because they chose not to love God as they should, they forgot how to love each other as they should. We are the same. We choose not to love God and so we are not able to love each other like we should. We sin. Sometimes we treat others badly because they are different to us. People fight with each other. People are mean to each other. People laugh at each other. The foster care system is a creation of this detachment from God. Children come into foster care for many reasons. And while I cannot understand some of the decisions biological parents make along the way, I have not met one yet who doesn't love their child. But something in their life, the adult's life, not the child's life, has come away from God's plan and broken relationships are left in its wake. So this lovely little book goes on to tell the rest of God's great idea about a connection back to God. And it was through a person, a man who was all man, but who was all God. This man called Jesus, he loved people. He loved people that no one else would love. And from the stories I have read in my Bible, people seem to enjoy being with him. Jesus came to earth to restore our relationships with God. He taught us how to love people. So yes, the foster care system is broken because it was never intended to exist. But it does provide us with an opportunity to love in a way that is preventing further injustices in the life of a child and perhaps the bigger family. So attachment is the goal. Restoring relationships is the goal. Sadika is the goal. I would love, people say this to me all the time, I would love to foster, but I would get too attached. Attachment is the whole point. (laughs) I think what people are actually meaning when they say this is, I fear what would happen to me. And yes, that fear is real. Foster care is temporary care. 
It is supposed to end with loving a child and returning them to a relationship that was once broken. But that fear isn't the kind of love that Jesus shared with the people who followed him, with the woman who reached out to him for healing, or with the people that he healed and, who never, and they never stopped to share that healing with others. I work alongside a district director down in Armidale and we do information sessions together for people who are curious about what foster care is. And I love how honest he is because he stands up there and now the district director is the one who makes the decision if a child will be removed from their family, their first family. So he stands up in front of people and he says to them, I am asking you to do an impossible task. He's asking people to step in, to love a kid like they own, to have no control over that child's future and then to say goodbye to them and possibly not to see them again. It is an impossible call when that is the story. It is also an impossible call or it can feel like an impossible call on the days when your child that you love is reliving the trauma and living with that weight of trauma that, pr- that brings along behavioural challenges or health concerns or developmental delays or extended families and it feels like it's going to break you. That is the fear that I believe stops many people with a heart and with a call to step into vulnerable, to caring for vulnerable people. Fear is at odds with justice, with love. So we read here in 1 John 4, 18 to 19, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. This doesn't say that we are perfect. But if we look a bit further back in the chapter, it says, God is love and those who remain in love remain in God and God remains in them. This is how love has perfected, been perfected in us. So it sounds like God is pretty attached to us. It is this attachment that we hope to give to kids, a secure knowledge that they are loved and that they can love and that love will never leave them. If we let fear stop us, we miss out on that chance to share an all-encompassing, life-giving love. We miss the chance for sadika to bring right relationships. The scriptures are full of don't fear. Actually, a quick Google search, because I like Google. It makes my job really easy in some respects. My husband has taken to deciding, oh, let's have a look at what our 12-year-old has Googled today. Um, and it's all sorts of, you know, how many times does this? Or It's funny. It can be a fun end-of-the-day thing. But anyway, back to my quick Google search shows that don't be afraid is quoted 365 times in the Bible. That's 365 times for 365 days of the year or perhaps for 365 times you walk down a dark path 
or perhaps it's the 365 phone calls you might get about a child in need. Or it could be the 365 times a day you hold your breath because your child is reliving the trauma that they have been through. But with this verse is a promise. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't fear because I am with you. Don't be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will hold you with my righteous, strong hand. So when you bring brokenness into your home, you can't help but be broken by it. I want to detour for a second. Brokenness is all around us. It's not just in the foster care system. We know this by simply turning on the news. The children in foster care have broken relationships, but they themselves are not broken people. Okay, Trying to under, help a child to understand that they themselves are worth it. They're not broken. They are vulnerable, but they are children. There is good within who they are. The brokenness of relationships as they were intended to be. The hope is always in making relationships whole. Having a child see themselves as a part of a family. Now God did this with us when he adopted us as his children. Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we call out Abba, Father. Now that sonship means we are heirs of Christ. It's not about dismissing women out of the equation. It's about bringing us all in together because sonship is a term that was given to the heirs. We had the same inheritance that Christ had. And we already know what that is because we read it earlier. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. That is our, our, what we have become heirs of. This inheritance we have is the love of God and the ability to share that love with others. Sadika, holy justice, restoring brokenness. So what is our role? I'm a practical person. I don't want to stand in here and like just tell you this is what is out there. What are we meant to do about it as God's family? Well, if, we are, if God is going to place the lonely in families, his family needs to be ready and willing and arms open to accept the lonely. We all have a role to play. I teach that to my kids. We all have a role to play on God's team. As we're driving here this morning, I'm reminding them, hey, you know, do your best to listen to obey because you are part of this role. You are on mission here to share with others that caring for kids is a part of who God's family is. Now, when my kids are acting and you're running around the walls, which I can't hear, so that's a pretty good sign. You know, you're all going to go, what on earth? I'm not going to step into that. So my kids are beginning to understand that they are on mission for this too because we are all on mission for this. Psalm 103.19, if we believe like this sweet book tells us that God has a really good idea. He made the world. People ruined it. Jesus came and taught us to love. People didn't like Jesus and they killed him. Jesus rose from the dead because death can't hold down the one who was blameless. And now Jesus helps us to love each other 
So practically, this means reaching. I love your mission here to lift others up. Reaching, living out the love that has been perfected in us by reaching those that are far from God. We do this together in community. You guys are doing it now. You do it in your small groups. You do it by doing life together. Doing life on mission is a little different than doing ministry, I think, because doing life on mission means you are doing it every moment of every day. Doing ministry, to me, is that idea of, well, this is somewhere I go to do something, to do a particular task. But life on mission is learning how to live with that love of God flowing through you in all aspects of your life. Reaching also means being vulnerable, sharing with your community what your prayer needs are, what it is that you need in your, in your life and how you need to be working together for common goals. It means praying for each other and checking in. This is so important in the life of a foster carer. Caring for kids with trauma is really hard. It needs others to step in just to take care of the family, to reach out. So if you are not a foster carer, you are not off the hook here, you are all, we are all called to do something. It means coming alongside your foster carers, your adoption um, parents, because at some point they're going to need that support through prayer, through practical things. It means resourcing, providing teaching, providing food, providing care. That is what ARC does. We have a podcast now that is in the top 10% of Australian podcasts, which is pretty cool because we only started it in April. But we are resourcing parents, foster parents, adoption parents across Australia, encouraging them and equipping them to provide excellent care. We are helping with resources of um, of meals. You guys have done that. I've been able to pass out the meals you guys have made to foster families. And that one meal a night, once a month, can be a huge thing to be able to pull out of the freezer after hearing a day full of appointments or extra trauma around behaviours to be able to care for those. We are restoring. God's dream for the world is not for children to be removed from families. As foster carers, we actually have little control over this, but we have the ability to bring restoration to a child, to bring healing when it is possible between relationships, even if that doesn't mean reunification. We often overestimate what we can do in a short term and we underestimate what we can do in a long term. And I think in foster care, this is so very true. Restoration takes time, but it begins with one thing. You don't restore an old home by clicking your fingers and it being done. If you're restoring it while you're living in it, you're living amongst a mess. You hurt and you get frustrated. You pour your money, so much money, your time and your heart into seeing something develop. And when it's done, so often you sell it. <laughs> we're, being, we're buying a house this week that another family has done that for us. And now we just get to walk in and enjoy their, uh, their fruits. But that is what restoration is for each of us. Not just those of us that step into foster care. We can love and care for our neighbours. We can encourage people to make things right. And we can be an example of God's love remaining in us. And lastly, we reproduce. We teach others to do the same. There's this idea of a square. It kind of goes 
I do, you watch. I do, you help. You do, I help. You do, I watch. Now, if you think of it in terms of a 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid getting into, his, into a car to drive for the first time, they've been driving around with their parents for 16, 17 years. They know what to do. Of course we all got into that car on that first day and we knew exactly what we were going to do. And then we try and work out what this clutch is and this accelerator and we stall it and we stall it and we stall it. And pretty quickly we realise actually we are incredibly incompetent. <laughs> we might have not thought we knew what to do, but no, no, we don't. So then we have to work through this idea and every time we sit in that car, it's a real focus of attention of how do we put, push the clutch down and we put the accelerator up and all of these things until there is a day when we get in the car and we sit down and we turn it on and off we go. There's this idea, that's this square of moving from a place of being unconsciously incompetent to consciously incompetent to consciously competent. It takes a process. But so often in church, in parenting, in our culture today here in Australia, we are expected, well, we've seen someone do it, so therefore you step out there and you do it. But it actually doesn't work like that. We need to be actively engaging others. We need to be having conversations that begin with, I see in you someone who provides excellent care. Have you thought of this? Come alongside me and I will help you care for this child. I will show you how to do it. I see in you someone who enjoys music. So I'd love to see you playing in the band. Come alongside me and I'll teach you how to do it each step of the way. It, happens, it needs to happen in all of life. So let's not get tired of doing good because in time we will have a harvest if we don't give up. This idea of restoration, of justice is something that will take time but it means that we cannot live with a life of fear. We must step into this. We must bring ourselves to a place where God's love is in us and our love is in others so that they know that they are loved, that they know that they can love and that love will never leave them. That is what justice is to me and that is why we stepped into this idea of foster care and that is why I go and speak at churches because I think this is such an important aspect that we are missing in our communities. This is a mission field. This is ministry. This is us being missionaries here in our home. We physically can't go anywhere at the moment, but we still can care for the orphan, for the fatherless here in our backyard. So I would love for you to take a moment and consider what is God pressing on your heart? I hope for some of you it is a realisation that your fears about stepping into foster care are nothing compared to what God's love is. But I know others of you will have other things that God is whispering. Places in your life where you need to bring sadika, Bring an act of justice that flows like a river to transform a community. Consider what that is. Name it. And when you stand up, tell someone about it. So you don't walk out of this place without a plan of how you are going to do this. There is no point in coming here and sitting and listening to something and walking out the same person. God's love transforms us too. 
So as you watch this little video, I'd love for you to just be thinking on what that is. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.